Oh, look who decided to come and listen to our show. You freaking viewers, you. <laughs> you right there. You. The guy in the red shirt. Guy with the face. <laughs> hey, you with the face. <laughs> My brother used to say that all the time. Hey, you with the face. <laughs> I always thought it was so funny because it, it means everyone. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> hey, you. You over there. You with the face. I assume he got it from somewhere, but I don't know exactly where. I also don't want to ask him because he'll probably just give me some bullshit answer and then try to troll me for a half an hour. And I'll be like, all right, we're done here. <laughs> enough of you. Be gone. That's about enough interaction with you for the day. I'm done with you. What? Do you feel like you got a, like a limit on how much you can socialize with people each day? Yeah, some days are, it, it depends on the circumstances. If I'm at work, I'm not social <laughs> at all. <laughs> I, I do my damnedest to try to, uh, to try to relay that in my body language to everyone there. Back up, back up. You want to? Yeah, I think. I think I've tried every way imaginable to send the message that I just want to be left alone. And I think I just keep somehow giving off this signal that I'm the social butterfly and that I want everyone to talk to me. It's your face, man. <laughs> your face looks pleasant. <laughs> you have a pleasant looking face that people want to interact with. <laughs> The problem is I don't know if you're being sarcastic or not because I have been told that I'm unapproachable. You have been told you're unapproachable? Yeah, I'm told that um, I look very unapproachable. It's that RBF, baby. Rest in bitch face. You got that bitch face. <laughs> Yo, bitch face ass. <laughs> Why you walking around looking like a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, dusty bitch ass. I do get like asked that a lot though. Like, why do you look like you don't want to be here? I don't. People, you want to be here? People ask right you now? that at work. Yeah. What a redundant question. I don't know if they think like when you move up to a certain point, you start looking forward to coming to work. <laughs> like, no, it's less. Yeah. If anything, <laughs> that just worsens your time at work. <laughs> yeah. Being, one being the, a manager. One of the people. <laughs> yeah, one of my bosses at work made the comment about me moving up the other day. I'm like, no, I'm going the other way. I'm going back down. Call, call me the reverse Jefferson because I'm moving yeah. on down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I long for the days to be able to come in, have one job to do. I only have to do that. <laughs> call me the Joffersons. <laughs> it's the, yeah. it's the bootleg Jeffersons. Well, I'm moving on down, moving on down. Man, Jofferson's would be a good skit. All right, so anyway, we're here today. We're in a in a little bit of a role reversal. You yeah, should it's say. opposite it's day. Opposite day. And opposite day. That's another good SpongeBob episode. We were talking about SpongeBob episodes earlier. Opposite. I don't day. remember that one. What happens? It was definitely one where they were saying it was opposite day. Hmm. I like vaguely remember that one. I think my favorite episode of SpongeBob is uh the number hat number one hat. 
episode. That's probably it. Oh yeah, that that that's a good one. Isn't the Oh, also Rock it... Bottom is another good one. Oh, well, yeah, that's an all-time. All-timer, baby. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, the episode where what were we just saying? I just lost the number it. one it hat just slipped in my mind. No, no, no. Before that, um, opposite day. Yeah, yeah, opposite day. That was wasn't that the one where Squidward buys uh SpongeBob the cake that's gonna blow up? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. <laughs> we we sure. have the internet though. I don't know. So... Let's not use it to our advantage, and let's just move on though. <laughs> Man. He's already deep yep. in research. Sorry. <laughs> the people need to know. Sorry, the people got to know. Wanting to sell his house, Squidward gets SpongeBob and Patrick to observe opposite ah. days so he could get them to behave themselves during their neighborhood's inspection. Qu- <laughs> and they did the opposite. Squidward quickly learns that he, he fucked up. He done fucked up. <laughs> That's in the first season, by the way. Oh, wow. I knew it was early on. I wouldn't have pegged it for the first season. Uh, my girlfriend's child was watching SpongeBob. The first, like, started it from the beginning, and uh, mm-hmm. I couldn't believe how much I, how much I actually retained from those early episodes. Like, I knew, <laughs> I knew what was going on. I couldn't believe it. I haven't watched SpongeBob in fifteen years, maybe. Damn. Yeah, that kind of, that was in my, like, preteen days, like, like, 10 years old. Well, 11, probably 12 to, like, 16, I would say I watched it, and then just kind of, (laughs) I stopped. (laughs) Yeah. Do you feel like that's, like, one of the, I don't know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not milestone, but, like, that. It's one of the things that we can point to. Like we're old enough that we remember a time before SpongeBob. Yeah, it is weird because SpongeBob completely took over Nickelodeon after that. Um, yeah, because it it was just it was in the mix amongst those cartoons like your Rugrats, um, all those kinds, and then all those shows faded away, and there was only one left. <laughs> so yeah, it was the last cartoon I, standing. I, I, I vividly remember the night that Fairly Odd Parents and Invader Zim debuted on Nickelodeon. I don't. I remember Invader Zim, but I don't remember Fairly Odd Parents. Yeah, though, I, I'm almost ninety nine percent positive they debuted on the same night. That's that's wild. Unless I've just been holding on to this false memory all these years. I was never super into Invader Zim, but yeah, me neither. But, but I in, feel like, but Fairly Odd Parents was. Was that shit? I feel like if I watched Invader Zim now, I'd appreciate it more. But, but yeah. do I want to watch Invader Zim? I don't know. You probably could. I don't imagine there's a lot of seasons there. Do I want to watch it? Might could. Might could not though. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you're just a little reader now, so I don't know if you have the time. Let me tell y'all, I'm a literate motherfucker. You know that. <laughs> I'll be reading. <laughs> I I saw this book yesterday. I was at Target and it said uh it the book was called Marriage Be Hard. <laughs> I was like, man, that was a good book. <laughs> that was a good book title. Almost wanted to read it. 
but I ain't married. So, you know, what the heck am I going to read it for? Yeah, maybe one day. Hey, if that day comes, I'll definitely pick up. I'll put marriage be hard in my uh, in my uh, register <laughs> registry for for my wedding. Nah, you ain't got to do that. You can just call your old buddy Travis. <laughs> Travis, I need a book. <laughs> so yeah, I... no, I'm talking about for marriage advice. <laughs> I don't want your fucking advice, Travis. I want to read a book. God damn it. Um. So yeah, I read a, a whole other book. This one took a lot longer, which I'll explain why. But yeah, I read I read my second book of the year, and probably my second book of the last five years. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> I I wasn't a read motherfucker, but now I'm a read motherfucker. <laughs> it's called Sellout: The Major Label Feeding Frenzy That Swept Punk, Emo, and Hardcore from the Years 1994 to 2007. So yeah, it's just a book about uh I think hold on, eleven bands that started in the underground scene and uh signed with major labels and you know, what happened to them if they were a success, if they weren't. Most of them were not <laughs> a success. But yeah, it was a very interesting read because, you know, it covered most of the time it covered from the band's origin to that uh that that album that they did with the major label. Oh yeah, I should say the author is Dan Ozzy. He is a he he works in I forget where, but he's like a music critic and will write articles about music and he actually helped write uh a book with Laura Jane Grace from Against Me called Tranny um cuz Laura Jane Grace is the lead singer of Against Me and uh, is transgender. So uh, I haven't read it. I don't, I mean, I I vaguely know what it's about, obviously, but uh, I'm not entirely sure what it is actually about and the narrative that it uh, tries to uh, convey to the audience. But maybe I'll read that one next. I'm not here to talk about a book I ain't read. I'm here to talk about a book I did read. So, yeah, it just covers 11 bands. Uh, basically, the star of the book is uh, all surrounding Nirvana when they kind of signed to a major label and blew up. And then all these record labels were, you know, kind of scouring the underground scene to find the next Nirvana. Um, it starts off talking about Green Day, which is one of the biggest post nirvana bands ever i would say um and it just goes through their history and talks about them deciding if they want to sign with a major label cuz at that time like the underground scene and punk rock in general had been very wary of major label signings because they had taken a bunch of the 80s hardcore bands and signed them, and then you would see these bands drastically change styles. And so from the audience, from an audience perspective, it was seen that once you signed with a major label, you were expected to conform to a certain sound that would get you more radio play, which is true. 
but also is dependent on the people in the band, I would think. Um, Green Day didn't change styles at all, but were still considered sellouts by the uh, the uh, the scene that they left, and like to the point where when they because they had like a home, well, I wouldn't say home, but they played this uh, sort of legendary venue a lot called Gilman. I think it's nine two four Gilman Street, and. <laughs> When they signed with a major label, they were banned from playing the venue ever again. That ban actually was only lifted maybe five years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, they've been banned from playing that place for a long time. And, yeah, they were seen as sellouts, and they became a huge deal and sold millions of records. But then you have a band like Jawbreaker, which came from the same scene... And uh, actually adamantly proclaimed that they would never sign with a major label. But then once you're in a band and you see the expense that it takes to keep it afloat and keep touring and, you know, get merch and record and all this stuff, I think that appeal, it becomes more appealing to have a third party involved that'll kind of front the cost of everything. Mm -hmm. um, so Jawbreaker was one that was not very well received. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say well received as in like musically, like critically. I think they were still pretty well received, um, not by their original fan base. It actually talks about in the book they went and played a show after they signed with a major label, and people would people in the audience would turn their backs on them while they played, <laughs> like go to the show and turn their bags on them while they played so they know that they didn't approve of their signing to a major label. And then their record sales weren't very great because they aren't... They're not like a a poppy sort of band, so you can't really market mm -hmm. them to a general audience as like... Yeah, so Jawbreaker was one. One of the more interesting narratives in this whole thing is... um a lot of the stories are interwoven and connected. So like, um, it'll talk about like a, a band like Thursday, but then in the next chapter about a band called the distillers, there'll be a section where it talks about, it kind of connects those two bands together. Yeah. It's a really well-written book. So Dan Ozzy knows his stuff and how to write. So it's a good book. I liked it a lot. And it uh, made me learn a whole bunch of new stuff about bands that I already knew about. So, that was cool. Learning stuff about bands you sort of like is good. Yeah, I think I told you when I was there, I, I commend you for reading nonfiction. I can never get into nonfiction. <laughs> I, I struggle with it. I even struggled with... Um, there's a Stephen King nonfiction called Dance Macabre, where it's basically just kind of like his take on like horror in general like he talks about movies he talks and this was like written I want to say in the 80s so it's old but even that was kind of rough to get through for me I'm I'm not sure it's I don't know for me it fiction is where it's at yeah I don't know what it is but this non-fiction has been allowing me to uh actually start reading books 
I would say that like I am interested in fiction, but mm-hmm. it's just I don't I don't know why I could never bring myself to read a work by an author. I think there's just something easier about taking like a a, a work by an author and either making some sort of uh movie or television show. It's just something easier <laughs> about uh, being able to di- digest that form of it instead of sitting there and like you know reading through a book and having to work through everything it's just a lot quicker i think well i think that's like the problem is looking at it as work it's supposed to be <laughs> an enjoyable experience yeah yeah you're right <laughs> so so yeah, I that was one of the things I struggled with like really early on into getting into reading was I was always in this rush to get towards the end. And so like <laughs> I would I'd be reading and like I would be like done like all right, I, I think I've had enough, but like you I would keep reading more cuz like I want to hurry up and get to the end so I can hurry up and read the next book. <laughs> and over time that just kind of like wears on you and makes you not enjoy it yeah probably definitely leads to a reading burnout and uh puts you in a little slump reading slump yeah i i read kill creek and kind of hit a wall again oh no but i I think it's more so due to tears of the kingdom than it is not running to actually read that makes sense yeah because I haven't been playing any video games. I was gonna that was gonna be my next question to you. I was gonna ask, did you find yourself playing a lot less video games? Yes. That, this yeah. this <laughs> was interesting though because since it was a a book about uh bands, I would read a section of the book that covered whatever band like Green Day, and then I would listen to the album that uh it mm. mostly referred to. Um so like Green Day, their major label debut was Dookie. So I would listen to that whole. I listened to that whole thing. That's a great name. <laughs> and then Jawbreaker was uh, Dear You, I believe. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Am I right? No. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I gotta look it up. Hold on. Yes. Okay. Dear You by Jawbreaker. So I listened to that. So this one took a lot longer than actually that that last book, Console Wars, that I read, just because I would go through and listen to the album or albums because it uh some of the bands I didn't have a lot of knowledge of, so I would kind of start from the beginning of their discography and you know press forward. So it probably took me about two weeks to read this book just because of that process. And I wanted to be able to digest the music as well. So I, a lot of the times I wouldn't listen to it while I was, if I was distracted or was about to do something distracting, it was kind of mostly a car ride or actually, you know, sitting down and listening to music. There was this great story in there. There, I mean, there's a lot of great stories, but one that stuck out to me in particular was, when My Chemical Romance was recording their first record, the lead singer Gerard Way was having was having mouth pain 
and couldn't sing as you know as well as he wanted really and so he got taken to the hospital and had like a tooth infection so went to the dentist and got you know that removed and taken care of and then came back to the studio and it still wasn't <laughs> clicking right obviously because he had just had this you know infection and operation so the producer in the studio went up to him and punched him in the face and oh, was shit. like all right man now you got to do a good <laughs> oh god and then he totally just nailed the rest of the album like all his takes were fine after that uh Damn. Yeah, it was it was a wild story. I was reading it, and then when it said it, I audibly went, "Oh shit!" <laughs> Another good story is "Against Me," which I just imagine or just mentioned, I should say. Uh, we're sort of the last underground band to get signed to a major label because after that, that was two thousand seven when or two thousand six when they got signed. So after 2007, you still had bands featured prominently on radio, but it was definitely heading into the direction of more hip-hop, pop sort of records. Stuff that was easier to produce, really. I shouldn't say easier to produce, but it wasn't dependent on so many people in a band and their opinions on it and, you know the conditions that they were under and them as musicians, you could just make music with a laptop and have one person sing over it and then release it as that. So, and yeah. music in general, because the two thousands were the downfall of the CD and it was, everything was heading towards the digital purchase and streaming so a lot of these bands didn't fare quite well because of that, uh, because CD sales weren't helping <laughs> record labels, uh, you know, gain money and for these signings. So, but Against Me got signed for uh, one point five million dollars. They got a one point five million dollar record contract with a major label and. Did not really meet expectations, <laughs> obviously, because of all those things that I just mentioned. So, yeah, being signed for over a million dollars is fucking wild. <laughs> You'll, that'll never, ever happen, ever again. I must say, to me, that doesn't sound like a lot of money. It sounds like there wasn't a lot of faith when they signed them to begin with, with coming in at that low number. I mean, that's a pretty big number for... And you have to also take into account that Against Me was a punk rock band that was living in a squatter house. So, like, <laughs> $1.5 million is insane. That's literal mm. life-changing money. Wow. This band, Fugazi, were offered $10 million to sign with Atlantic, but they passed because they didn't want um, any major label to... Uh... I ain't turning it down $10 million. It depends on the contract. If like, if they're like, yeah, we want you to do songs with like Kesha, I'd be like, eh. I'm there. Like, Man, I don't know about that. Do a whole group project, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that, dude. I just don't know. You also have to imagine that 
if they're signing you for ten million, they're expecting you to to probably make four times that. So they're gonna want yeah. they're gonna want somebody in there to write all your your songs. They're gonna expect a cut of your merchandise. Yep. The thing though with that sell out, sell out, the, man. It's the thing real. though with that is that they account for the cost against what they signed you for. So like, if they sign you for ten million, and then they're like, "We'll put you in a studio," and that's like five million dollars or some crazy shit, and then the, they put you in nice hotels and they give you a bus and they put you on tour. They're they're not they're not spending that extra money on that stuff. They're taking from what <laughs> your deal is. So like, yeah, the the best case or the the most well known example of that is TLC who were you know an extremely successful group and they were at, literally broke because their record label was just like yeah you need to do these photo shoots you need to make these music videos you need to do this press you need to do all these things and then they would cut into what money they were owed because it technically wasn't it's just a bunch of bullshit but yeah i don't know it you gotta read those terms and conditions, man. If they're if if a record label is offering you ten million dollars, there's a good chance that they're gonna fuck you over. <laughs> so yeah. you have to get like creative control of some point, or at some point, I should say. I don't know, but yeah, one point five million dollars is a shit ton of money for four punk for four punkers who literally were squatting <laughs> in a house, so. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And then the the uh the paperback version of it actually had a uh had more interviews with other bands. Um and some of those stories were really cool too. Like uh one of them one of them in particular that was really interesting was uh, Dashboard Confessional, which is technically just one guy. <laughs> um but he remained on his little indie record label Vagrant and had a distribution deal through a major label. So he technically had the best of both worlds where he could, you know, retain his uh, creative freedom, but still have that backing to make sure that the records were out there so people could buy them. So pretty wild. It was a good book though. I enjoyed it. And it made me listen to music that some of the music that I hadn't listened to before. So it was a good multimedia experience for me. Nice. Where do you stand on audiobooks? I have never listened to one audiobook ever. Oh, wow. I kind of hit or miss. Honestly, it's really all dependent on what, you know, the narrator. Right. There are some stinkers out there. <laughs> Stinkers that'll push you to sleep Think. behind the wheel of your car, and then you wake up with an airbag to the face, and and someone's still <laughs> reading you a story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love the idea that you uh, <laughs> you're like in a ditch on the side of the road, wake up, and it's it's just you like <laughs> sitting there, and then and and Diana <laughs> said to Vanessa. I'll never be your friend ever again. Imagine you're uh, 
You're driving, listening to an audio book, you're getting a wreck. When you wake up, your life turns into that Will Ferrell movie, Stranger Than Fiction. Yeah. <laughs> Where now the narrator who was reading the audio book is now narrating your life. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, you got to think you're dead, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I would think so. Um, you know, that's an underrated Will Ferrell movie. I think that's my favorite movie of his. Two. In my opinion, I really like uh, Everything Must Go. Oh, that's one I haven't seen but have been interested in. Yeah, it's another good one. Check that one off the list. Check it out. Well, if well, if there's any any if there's ever anything on on Audible that you want to check out, check out. I can't talk today. Uh, I have found myself in an abundance of Audible credits. <laughs> How many credits are we talking about? Hold on, I'll give you an exact number. How much you want to bet it's over five? Going once, uh, going twice. Yeah, I'll say over five. Six. Six hundred? Six. I have six credits. Oh, how much How much is a book? A, one credit. Oh, look, you can get six books. Yeah, but uh, I do this weird thing where I don't buy the audio version of a book until I own the physical copy. I mean... I understand that. I understand. So is there anything, any other book like that you're looking forward to next? Have you started to create a TBR or you're just kind of waiting to go back to Mars and Noble to pick something else out? I'm sorry. A what? (laughs) A TBR? Oh. Oh my God. Come on. Forgot you're new to the hobby. Come on, dude. I just started reading. To, to, to be read list. <laughs> to be a TBR, huh? A Tiber. It, it's basically like your backlog of video games. It's your backlog of books. I got, I'm going to add some stuff to a Tiber. Tell you that. Um, I have I have a TBR. <laughs> tell you how many. I tell you how many books I got on there. How many books are on your Tiber? Because I, I got the Goodreads app. So that at my peak, I was keeping track of all of them. All of this. Oh, this little professional motherfucker. Yeah. This little professional. I got. I got twenty eight. I got twenty eight books that I own that I have not 28. read. God damn. Twenty eight. I have seventy three books that I own that I have read. Man, you a reading motherfucker, you know? <laughs> I, I I was. <laughs> I was. I was. It was. It was nice. Lately, I just been playing. I've been a playing motherfucker. You've been a playing motherfucker. Yeah, so let's switch over then. Uh, well, I guess. Nice, nice. To answer your to nice. answer your question, I am reading something. I'm not sure if I like it, but I'll come back maybe with it. <laughs> so, uh, mm, yeah, don't be afraid to put it down. That was another thing I struggled with. <laughs> Where I would refuse to stop <laughs> reading a bad book, and so I would just take forever to read it. Yeah, there's there's certain instances, you know, especially because of how often I would play video games where I would play something and not really enjoy it, but try to push into it, you know, to give it its fair, uh, its fair share. Not fair share. What am I trying to say here? Um... To try to give it a fair shot and not dismiss it so quickly, but 
Yeah, I'm learning as I get older that <laughs> there's some things I'm just not gonna be into, and yeah, I need to. I need and to. Sometimes just move it's on. just not. Sometimes it's just not the right time for. Right. It. Might come back later and enjoy it. I've had a couple books that I've not finished or just kind of like stopped reading altogether because I couldn't get through it and that I've later come back to and was able to get through it. The only book that I've put down and haven't picked back up and finished is Ghost Story by Peter Schwab, I want to say. Haven't picked that one back Ghost up. Ghost Story. More like bad story. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was bad. <laughs> Have you ever done that where you're reading and you look up and you've read 10 pages and you're like, what the fuck happened in those 10 pages? I do that a lot where I'll read a paragraph and then be like, wait a minute. <laughs> and go back. Yeah. You ever get stuck in a loop where you keep reading <laughs> Like the same paragraph. Over. Oh yeah, that's rough. That's rough times. <laughs> you can't stop your mind from wandering. <laughs> that's rough times, baby. Oh yeah. All right. Well, we had our perfect transition. We fucked it up. So now yeah. we're gonna awkwardly stumble into. You've been playing a video game. I have been playing. What a the video hell game. have you been playing? I know, but tell these viewers. Or so else. I've been playing. I've been playing this little video game. You may have heard of it. Came out a little while ago. Got uh, got kind of big on social media. A lot of people were talking about it. But uh, oh, I know what it is. This, yeah, I've been playing this little game called uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, I wasn't gonna guess that. <laughs> I was gonna guess um, Mortal Kombat, uh, Shaolin monks. For the PlayStation 2. Aren't they back on Mortal Kombat 1 now? Didn't they start back? Yeah, early? I don't understand what this is because it's a, another reboot of the franchise and they just had that 10 years ago. So. Oh, yeah, you got to reboot the reboot. So, anyway, you've been playing Tears of the Kingdom, which I knew. Yeah. Yep, I've been playing Tears of the Kingdom since I came home from Michigan. And, um, got about. I would, last time I checked, it said a little, it said over 10 hours. At this point, I would imagine I'm probably somewhere around 15 hours in. Okay. Um, All right. I'm overwhelmed. You're overwhelmed. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed, overstimulated, <laughs> and I don't know what to do. So let's let's take it back to the beginning. What did you okay. think of the beginning when you, uh, when you start the game off, you're in a, an interesting position for a, a okay. Zelda game. Yeah, yeah. so I don't know much about Zelda, but I do know that starting off with a cutscene is something that I don't think has been done before, right? Yeah, usually. Okay, so sometimes you will have a cutscene that establishes things. The 2D Zelda games just kind of start. like <laughs> It's just like, yeah. hey, dude, all right, you're here. Have fun. The best one is uh, Link to the Past, where you're sleeping, which is a common theme. Actually, I just realized that this one, you don't do that. You don't start the beginning of the game with you sleeping. I mean, you, you sleep eventually, but... Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> How do you get your ass whooped? <laughs> but yeah, this one's interesting because you start with uh, 
you start more in a secondary role. You're kind of just following Zelda around as she geeks out about uh, what's underneath the castle. It almost feels like it. Nintendo kind of took a page from the uh, the Naughty Dog team oh, yeah. and uh, wanted to apply some of that more story-driven gameplay uh, to their world, at least for a section. So, Dude, that music in that beginning next scene as you as you get further down the way the like the notes and mm-hmm. oh my god yep it, it it was it was a combination of that and then like as soon as like the game kind of like like all right go ahead i just kind of like fell right back into it i know what i'm doing here yeah maybe the greatest beginning to a zelda ever um yeah great sky island is a great kind of like tutorial area. Yeah, I've heard a lot of, or I've read a lot of things about how people don't necessarily like it as much as the Great Plateau. And I understand that. At the same time, though, I almost might like this a little better. But I still love the Great Plateau. So the Great Plateau for me was rough. But I think a lot of that is just it, like it was my first Zelda game. I didn't know what I was walking into. I really had no idea what to do at all. <laughs> but coming into this game, it more or less I've I played a few hours of Ocarina of Time. But really, this is like my second Zelda right. game. I kind of knew a little bit of what to do, and I mean, it's it's the same game at its core gameplay like it was kind of like riding a bike for me i did not expect i i was nervous to play it oh yeah (laughs) i because i i was scared that me enjoying breath of the wild was just for that period of time in my life like just (laughs) that little sliver of time and i was afraid that i was gonna play it enjoy it but be like Oh my god, I don't have the time to invest into this game and I never finish it, but it it pulled me in like immediately. And I really haven't done anything yet other than I I've done maybe I would say upwards to maybe 10 to 15 shrines. Okay. I've done majority of the towers, I think except for maybe 3 or 4. Right now, I'm in, I forget which village, but I'm in the middle of this uh, <laughs> election. Oh, shit. Man, that is one of my favorite parts of the game. Yeah, I'm right there. Hatano Village? Think, yeah, yeah. So I'm there. Um, <laughs> I, you haven't, you haven't I finished did. it, right? No, no, no. I haven't, I haven't decided which way I'm leaning toward. Well, I think I already technically did it by mistake because I got the message in the bottle for that girl that gave her to re- her grandfather's recipe to make the fermented right. cheese. Okay. And then you take it back to Reed and then Reed's like, all right, I'm going to sell it in the stores now. This should be enough to sway the election. But I still have the option to hand out the the mushrooms to the Reed supporters around town. And I've, I got one more to hand out. So I don't know like what I got to do to lean one way or the other, but I just talked to the girl at the shop 
that said that Cece's been leaving out every night, <laughs> sneaking off, and that you should follow her. So I'm just completely like got lost in this village and this election. The same thing happened to me. That was one of the first quests uh, playing where I was kind of like, oh, all right, I see what they're doing here. Um, yeah. And then uh, I I did the I explored the well that's in that village. Yeah. And I and I want to say it was in that well I found the note from Zelda that said that there's supposed to be a new champion armor in the ruins of the Hyrule Castle. So that's probably where I'm heading towards next to try to get that. Okay. Um. Oh. I did want to ask you, have you come across anything oh, yeah. in the overworld that's a, uh, very frightening? Uh, you're talking about the pieces of um, the death that like just fucking chase you around? <laughs> yeah, the <Like> gloom hands? <laughs> they got little, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they got oh me. Oh my ones. god, dude, those are so fucking terrifying. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I, I will say, because like, the music changes when it when it starts like, chasing after mm-hmm. you it's not quite on the level that the guardians oh, were really in breath of the wild with the music okay yeah i can see that but it was the guardians yeah. right where the music would play yeah that that the fucking music <laughs> still gets me ptsd this one almost felt a little scarier to me but i don't know if that's because it's been a while since i've played breath of the wild and come across a guardian but the I, sky turning red and it just fucking booking yeah. towards you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> running away. No, but that first time going down into the depths, though, I was like, oh, this shit's scary. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be here. Yeah, that's how I was for a really fucking long time. But, but then I looked at my inventory, and somehow I had, like, a hundred, uh, one of of those uh, the bright uh, blooms bright. yeah yeah i had like a hundred of those and i'm like oh this is fine and then you realize you don't have to attach them to your aerial you can just arrow. throw, you can just throw yeah. them and i'm like oh, okay this is this is cool. and then you're like oh i can light the map back up oh so have you spent have you figured out the correlation of the bright blooms and something i don't want to spoil no. something okay don't think so all no. right well you know just kind of pay attention to the map, and uh, you'll you'll probably notice something. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, I love the abilities. The abilities in this game, like, okay. So here's my. This is why I love this game. Okay. Right. There's no right or wrong way to do anything. Yeah. You can literally do anything. I don't think any of the shrines I've completed, I've completed the way that you're intended to do so. <laughs> it It's like, I'm just going to build this shit real quick that's going to help me get over there. Like, there have been a couple shrines where I was just like, oh, shit, I don't know how the fuck I did that. <laughs> but, but I did. <laughs> Some of those shrines are so good. Like, they make me, the puzzle, the puzzles in it make me audibly gasp. Once you figure it out, it's like, oh, yeah. dude, that's so cool. And then you do it, and it works out very well. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, when you get to the end of the shrine, it doesn't matter what you did to get there. You still get the little music that plays, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you still did it. <laughs> um, One of the very first things I did in Tears of the Kingdom was just build this absolute 
behemoth of a bridge <laughs> when I was on the Sky Island because I was just really interested in how many pieces of wood I could attach. And it was insane. I probably did like 20 pieces of wood and then was like, what am I, I could do anything in this game. I can go anywhere. And I've, se- I've seen yeah. people online do all sorts of crazy things that I'll never do. <laughs> you can you can do anything, build anything, avoid anything. There have been times where I've had to like reach somewhere in the map and there's just like all these enemies right there and it's like, I, you know, I don't have any any food on me. I really don't feel like getting a fight. I'm just going to build this thing to block them in. They can't move now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that game is awesome. There's there's a cool uh the the building of the the transportation methods is awesome i kind of ran into a scenario where i i saw a clip online that made me build this certain hover bike because it provi- it it provided the greatest distance that you could travel but also the fewest parts so you weren't you know using all of it and i eventually kind of sunk into just using that for the majority of my playthrough of it. So I wasn't really experimenting a lot towards the end of the game, but those initial hours of, especially when you fall down from the sky Island and you're kind of just let go, you know, you can do anything. I went over to one of those little stacks of, uh, of parts like wooden parts and just kind of made something. <laughs> so I made this like, so I made a wagon and then I put like a little flamethrower at the front because I was like, Oh, this can attack enemies. So I'd made it. But what I didn't anticipate was it lighting the grass on fire and then lighting me on fire. <laughs> so it was just like, Oh no, <laughs> I had to jump off. There's a lot of cool experimentation and trial and error and, Anytime you sort of fail at anything, it it's not frustrating most of the time. It's more so just hilarious <laughs> that you tried this goofy thing and it ended up failing. Yeah, I had the last time I played a few hours ago when I was at work. I had finally reached this tower I've been trying to get to so I can just unlock that part of the map. And I'm still like, dead set against using the horses so I'm still walking everywhere right now <laughs> which is god awful because I, I really haven't delved that much into building like the transportation devices and mm-hmm. stuff but so I finally get to the tower and it's like one of the towers where it has like all like the vines I know exactly and stuff around what you're talking it, and, and it's raining okay I yeah I get up there and I'm like are you fucking serious? It starts raining right now. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I've been able to figure everything out so far. I'll be able to figure it out. I start looking around. I'm like, all right, all this wood right here. All right. So I you know, I build like basically the bridge to go over and I just light a fire <laughs> underneath yep. it so that the so that the rain doesn't put the fire yep. out. And then what was funny though is that the rain still kind of put the fire out. But standing there watching it, the fire like caught underneath the steps where the rain couldn't get to and helped ignite everything else. I'm like, this is just, there's no way I was supposed to solve it that way. That's how I solved it. Or maybe I was. Yeah, so I think it definitely was. It's just, um, 
it's just funny that they. This is a continuation of Breath of the Wild, where the map is the puzzle, whereas in past mm-hmm. Zelda games, it was more so dungeons where you where you primarily were exposed to puzzles and had to solve them, and then Breath of the Wild: Tears of the Kingdom, it's like everything is a puzzle. You have to figure out everything, um, yeah. and it kind of chains. Each thing chains into another because once you figure out something, you say, oh, there was that thing over there that I had to do and blah, blah, blah. And it kind of makes you reflect and makes you memorize where certain spots are so you can come back and figure out what you're supposed to do there. Yeah. Tears of the Kingdom is absolutely wonderful. Just a great game. Oh, yeah. I really love the fuse ability where you (laughs) basically make any weapon strong as hell. Yeah. The fuse is such, it, it's so great. It takes, because a lot of the beef, well, I wouldn't say beef, but the problem with Breath of the Wild, in a sense, was you had so many items that you didn't necessarily use. And this is a great way to get the player to experiment and use everything. And a lot of the times, um, your experiments are worthwhile, and you'll end up using those all the time. Like the eyeballs mm-hmm. with the arrows, and they act as homing missiles. And using certain fruits that, like, will make fire arrows, and all sorts of things like that. So it's really cool. Kind yeah. of a genius move on their part. Do you think this is gonna make if? If you were to ever go back to Breath of the Wild, does it make it difficult to go back and play it? I don't honestly know. I've been kind of wondering about that because I bought the DLC for Breath of the Wild a long time ago, but didn't end up uh, diving into it. And I'm wondering now if I go back, will it be a challenge to not have (laughs) these certain abilities? Um of course, that being said, they took some abilities out of uh, Breath of the Wild, particularly the one with the, uh, uh, what is that? Um, I forget what it's called, but it's the one where you can uh, manipulate water to make platforms. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I forget what it's called. Those were th- those were my least favorite shrines, though, where you had to use that ability. yeah. I don't remember them quite well, so I imagine they weren't very memorable. Um, I think my least favorite ability right now is probably Recall. Oh, really? Okay. And and that's arguably probably the most useful one to use to get anywhere. Like, Ultra Hand and Recall, you can pretty much get anywhere. Also love the the little guys you come across moving... Uh, as you're navigating throughout the world where you gotta help them get to their friend. <laughs> yeah, like a core. And, and it's like it's like you can build this thing to get them over there or you could just fucking use Ultra Hand to pick their ass up and get <laughs> I've seen so many people who just like boot these Koroks down a, a mountain. Oh god. <laughs> get to their friend. <laughs> I've got a nice stockpile of Korok seeds. I haven't found the guy to give them to yet though. So, uh, I don't know if you're far. So you're not far enough in to have met him again. Um, 
is he in the same spot he was at the beginning of Breath of the Wild? No. I don't remember. Ex- he's that... somewhere different. Because in Breath of the Wild, oh, he was sh- in uh, he was in the uh, the Lost Woods, right? I'll cheat and Google it. You stumble across him at some point, and then he kind of goes to the uh, the home base, the uh, lookout, lookout landing. landing. Yeah, I know that's the second spot he pops up. I did read that somewhere. And he'll be there, and then once you find the Lost Woods... I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there. Um, let's see, what else? Should I talk about how much I've been playing in tabletop mode? Oh, yeah, because little Travis yeah. finally purchased my... uh. Well, like we said in the last episode, he purchased my OLED Switch. So... You've been playing in tabletop mode a lot, huh? Oh yeah, I've I've really grown to love sitting out on my balcony in the afternoon or at night and just I'll set it there and I'll you know it's a good time, man. I don't know. I, I think it's just like it me being new to everything like the Switch has to offer now. I don't know. Tabletop mode's kind of cool, and I do have 2K downloaded. So oh shit, you're gonna be like that. Uh, that commercial, <laughs> the commercial when the Switch launched, where you, you bust yeah. out the Switch at a basketball court. Sure. Play- <laughs> I should record a video where I just like go to basketball <laughs> courts and find and find someone to play me in 2K. Yeah, you should also wear like a jersey and a headband, <laughs> like a sweatband. <laughs> You just come up there and you're like, "Yo, you want to play?" And then they're like, "Yeah." And then you, you just pull out a switch. All right, bust out the switch. Two K, bitch. Two <laughs> K, bitch. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think, is there anything else? Like I said, I'm not that far. I've done. What have I done? <laughs> what so have I done? Let's see. I don't I haven't done much. Okay, I've gone down to the depths twice. Okay. So the first time I went down, I just jumped down a random chasm. And then probably shouldn't have been down there at that point in that area and got my ass clapped immediately. <laughs> also, I don't think it was in Breath of the Wild, but like, what was your reaction the first time a tree popped out of the Holy ground and started shit, chasing you? Holy shit, dude. I... <laughs> Actually, I messaged my friend as after I I beat it and was like, "Oh my god, that was so scary!" <laughs> like, because yeah, because the music changed. Because I was just kind of like, you know, because I was just walking, I was moseying on, and yeah. then the it always happens where you're about to pass a tree, so like it's in your peripheral, <laughs> a tree just pops out of the ground, and me my first thought was. Oh, that doesn't. There's no way <laughs> that that was weird. That was a weird hallucination on my part. And then it's just Damn. a little tree chasing you. <laughs> I love that though. That sort of wonky, yeah, that... like <laughs> just kind of wacky, like enemies. <laughs> like it's a tree. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, that stuff brings me such enjoyment. 
so uh, the second time I went down into the depths is what probably is supposed to be your first time when you talk to uh, Joshua and she shows you like the picture that stone slab oh, yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. And, the and then she makes you go out to the and field then... and you, you go in there and there's those dudes where if you talk to them they're like hey watch out man because <laughs> they're they're like looking into the chasm and they're like don't sneak yeah. up on me i'll fall in <laughs> dude the depths are scary as fuck like i yeah i've explored the entire thing like completed that whole map and it's still like terrifying <laughs> just, just it, it it's the same size as like yeah high exactly right? the same size. some of the areas you can't get to like if you're in the depths and you're just going along some of the areas you can't actually get to you have to go out and find the chasm that you know is directly above it and go into it uh, nice. Like, especially there's islands off of, uh, you know, the map of Hyrule, mostly towards like the, uh, mostly towards the Western side of the map, I would say. Um, so you have to actually get out, go across the water to where these islands are, find the hole, get into it, and then it'll be there. Um, yeah, there's a ton of strong enemies in there, like you said, where if you're not prepared, you're about to get clapped. Like, <laughs> Yeah, dude, I, I went down there and got clapped immediately. What did you, what was the enemy, by the way? I don't fucking know, man. It was, it was big as shit. It was dark. I really couldn't see. <laughs> I just got one shot. <laughs> so, I will say that, um, should I spoil this? I will say that even I don't know what you've come across, obviously, but there are there are certain uh, enemies in the top world that are also in the depths, and uh, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I know I was on one of the sky islands and uh, one of the shrines up there where you gotta bring the thing back to the shrine. Yeah. Where, like points the green. Oh, and light. it's always pointed the green, pointed the green light right to this one big ass motherfucker. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not fighting. <laughs> Those fights, once you understand how to actually beat them, are awesome, so enjoyable. Um, because there's the one right in the the Great Sky Island where if you look off like to the left, there's just a little mm -hmm. floating island and the little dudes on it. Um. But yeah, once you figure out how yeah. to do it, then like it makes it a lot more fun. I ran like a little bitch. I did too at the start. I was like, I, I ain't fighting. I'm just kind of at a port. I'm at a portion of the game where anything aside from like the basic enemy types, I'm staying away from until I'm like God mode and I just <laughs> <laughs> wipe you out in a second. Like right now, I still feel very vulnerable in the game. I, I think I got six six hearts, and that's it. I haven't upgraded my stamina at all yet. I've just been doing the uh, heart container upgrade. I will say that's the way to go in Tears of the Kingdom. Just do because your ascendability yeah. kind of 
helps a lot. I have with, uh, that. That's another thing. When I was trying to get that to that tower, and it started raining, like I I still had a little bit of the mountain to get up. And I'm like, you know, I bet you if I look, I could just find a spot that I could send. And sure enough. It definitely replaces a lot of the need for climbing. Um, some th- obviously, it won't help you all the time, but... I can see the stamina more so helping if I'm on a sky island trying to glide somewhere specific. And it helps... Um, oh, no, never mind. I'm wrong about that. But yeah, you're right. If you're trying to glide but somewhere... I'm- I'm also sure that there's an elixir or probably even some armor somewhere that I can get my hands on to to give me the same added benefits that upgrading my stamina all the way up would give And me. you can make machines to uh, get you to islands. But you have to you would yeah. have to get the battery to, batteries to do that and uh It's and if you think about it Tears of the Kingdom is just like Minecraft on cocaine. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. You can literally do you can literally do anything you it want. It is it is kind of mind boggling how much content is packed into this little switch cartridge. I I wanna say it's like yeah. a fourteen gig cartridge. Oh. I'm I'm still blown away at how vested I got into it quickly yeah i was hoping you would so i'm happy that uh that you did yeah it, it it's got its claws in oh it's me. 16 sorry the required storage for download is 16.3 gigs so that's the the digital version so the physical is still it's still crazy that they fit all that yeah on such a small cartridge and you could argue that <laughs> This map, I mean, it does have its obvious frame rate issues and slowdown, but I think a lot of that is more so based on what your actions are as opposed to it not running well. Like if you're, if you were me forming a thirty log bridge, then I should expect some slowdown, <laughs> just just because yeah. I'm doing something so stupid, <laughs> like. Just kind of abusing the the power of the game, essentially. Um, but it's insane that it's 16 gigs and you look at these sort of high power, like 100 gig games. And I don't know if they provide half the fun <laughs> that this they, game does. They definitely don't. Pretty sure uh, Saints Row 4 is <laughs> a higher install <laughs> size and that fucking thing doesn't even play. <laughs> But yeah, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm definitely excited to to finish it. I I don't think I'm anywhere near going to do to do any of the uh, phenomenons yet. Yeah, uh, I understand. I don't, I don't think I'm ready. I I want to be God mode first. It uh, I will say that I think my favorite part of Tears of the Kingdom really is the narrative. Um. Obviously, the game is fun on its own uh, and experimenting with all your new abilities and forming vehicles and weapons and all that stuff is really cool. But at the heart of it, it's still a Zelda game and it still packs that punch of a a really, really good narrative. Um, Mm. So 
This one is more so like because Breath of the Wild, you kind of had to go out of your way to really experience what the whole the full narrative was. This one is sort of similar, but it it kind of presents itself um, as a more mandatory thing than a, than you know some secondary thing. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Tears of the Kingdom ruled. And uh, yeah, maybe maybe I'll play it. I'll play it again at some point again. <laughs> maybe not soon. I I, de- I put like two hundred hours into it, so I'm Damn. good for <laughs> a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm a, I'm gonna see it through at, at least until I get to a, to a part where I can't progress the story anymore because <laughs> it got too hard. I will say that some of some of the shrine well i don't i don't want to say shrines um some of the dungeons i guess that you come across in the main quest um i would say one of them isn't very good but the rest of them are pretty cool especially getting to the dungeons might be the best part <laughs> of the experience tell me what it is and tell me what it is. I'll avoid it. Well, you need to do it to get the uh, the okay. thing. I was getting very annoyed at this uh, ring ruin quest because it's in uh, Kariko Village. I want to say the uh, ring ruins. Oh, because you kept getting caught by the guy, and yeah. he'd be like, "Hey, get out! <laughs> get off of there!" But then, like, I managed to sneak all the way up there. And I couldn't find the uh, the stone slab, and then cheating and and looking into it, reading it, find out that you, you gotta wait until you progress the main <laughs> yeah. story a little bit to unlock it, and that that is one thing that's annoying because there's nothing there that that indicates that to you, and I think there's another side quest with um. Whatever the fuck his name is, the bird guy that's hanging out at Lookout Landing that invites you to join um, some newspaper gazette or whatever. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I got to do that. Um, <laughs> I walked by one of the towns that had a sign. I, th- I want to say it was the village I'm in now, where you can buy a house. And get it built. Oh, uh, what's it called? Terrytown, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I just I just uh, strolled through there not too long ago, so I got that in the back of my head. That um, I will say building the house isn't amazing. Um, it's cool, but it's kind of a pain based on the parts that they give you. <laughs> I I've seen some stuff online where people just made houses out of like tree branches and stuff yeah there's definitely so i said it's it's better than minecraft (laughs) it is minecraft when you think about it you heard it here folks it's minecraft on cocaine and that's all we gotta say about tears of the kingdom (laughs) It, it is it's it's a good game it is good okay you heard it all right well i think that's Unless you have anything more to say. 
No, I think that's all I got. I'm still kind of in the first impressions of it. I might come back next episode and just shit tell all you I hate it. it. This shit sucks. <laughs> you think this is good? <laughs> this is bullshit. <laughs> you think this is better than Animal Crossing? <laughs> right now, I'm at a uh, a point where I don't know where to put it on my list because it's so the two games are you know are so ingrained in each other it's really just like i don't know it's like i can't add i feel weird adding both because they're so similar but they're not entirely similar (laughs) yeah it's almost like it's got to be like 1a 1b so that's tears of the kingdom is a great game and that's all that's all we gotta say about it right now. Hell yeah, oh, dude. Oh hell yeah. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> Alright, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, let's get, let's get the fuck out of here so Justin can read and I can go play Tears of the Kingdom. I'm actually going to move stuff to my storage unit. When I was packing up, I was looking when I was packing up, I was, you know, looking at all, all my video games, and I made an Excel spreadsheet of every video game that I own, like a fucking yeah. dork. But anyway, I I was looking at my 3DS games and opened the case for Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, and there was no game in there. It's gone. It gone. So today I went to Disc Replay, and I bought, <laughs> I bought just the, the little cartridge. It was $12. I think that's $12 well spent. <laughs> But now you, but it was going in storage though. You weren't gonna need it anytime soon. Yeah, but it was. I was at disc replay not because I wanted to buy Luigi's Mansion. Oh, I was just there. Okay. I, I thought you went out and made a special trip. No, it's just I saw it and it was twelve dollars, and I thought, yeah, it's just I twelve dollars, it. whatever. It, I get it. And now you're gonna find. I'm your definitely gonna you know find that, the right? cartridge. Hopefully yeah. soon, and then I'll go back to Disc Replay and return it for my $12. Hell yeah. Uh, but anyway, it's been a fun ride, everyone. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was trying to do one of those silly uh, <laughs> like ending of a video where it's like, well, it's been a crazy ride, hasn't it? <laughs> We've done some things. You've done some things. <laughs> We've said some things. You've listened. You know, I'd like... Hopefully you're still listening. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have listened to this point of the episode... <laughs> if you did, we have social media that we don't update. <laughs> Nerds Collide Pod. You can find us on Twitter, which is going to not exist soon. It'll be... Twitter is now X, apparently, because Elon Musk is a, a loser and upset... Oh yeah, I haven't updated. I haven't updated my app yet. I still got the little bluebird as the icon. He, uh, he's a he's a loser stuck in the early two thousands, obsessed with adding X to things. <laughs> Extreme, <Sorry>. exciting, <laughs> extracurricular activities, brother. <laughs> um. <laughs> so yeah. We're, Nerds Collide Pod, we're on Instagram. Maybe we'll go to another social media platform, who knows. But uh 
Hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you keep listening. And uh, just remember, the term nerd is rated E for everyone. So find your passion, embrace it, and be the nerd that you are. Bye.